Brown gonna let you have a chance to rip me off this hour from the double K. Rumors spread around. Shadow Stevens. WRKO Boston. Six o'clock at Now Radio. Friends and neighbors, I have hit music for you and some money to the tune of $210 in the WRKO Memory Bank. You'll just hang in there. We'll be playing it in a couple of minutes. Welcome back to Radio What Happened, episode number 32, believe it or not. I'm Terry Bettis, along with podcast partner, Jim Christofferson. Thanks, Terry. Today we're going to do, uh, we're going to focus on air checks, those taped recordings of DJs when they were on the air, which were used primarily to help improve the DJ. They would go over them in air check sessions with their bosses and whatnot, but they would also sit and listen to them so they could uh, get a better handle on how they were relating to the audience. Uh, plus, there's a little bit of ego involved in being a disc jockey, so we love the sound of our own voice. They were taken really off the air, and uh, and again, they, they would scope them, meaning they would take the, the music out, and all you would really hear would be the DJ chatter in between the records. As a matter of fact, when we review the podcast with the largest number of downloads, the ones in which we feature air checks of old DJs are always among the most popular, aren't they, Jerry? Yeah, in fact, our tribute to Ron Chapman is still among the most popular, so we thought it would be good to have as our guest someone that uh, lives and breathes with air checks of the past. His name is Dale Patterson, who has a very interesting website called Rock Radio Scrapbook. In addition to loving all things media, Dale is an author, journalist, former DJ, and a lively and engaging speaker. Hey, I'm still a DJ. <laughs> no, I, no, I am. I'm on a station in Coburg called Northumberland 89.7. That is Dale, and we will welcome him to the program and get into his uh, website and his love for air checks right after this word from our commercial sponsor. This portion of the show is being brought to you by Ed's Savings and Laundry, member FDIC AAA. Remember, if Ed's ever loses any of your money, they'll send a tow truck out to look for it. That has to be one of the most recognizable voices from the great days of radio, Gary Owens. Now, as we mentioned, our guest today is Dale Patterson, whose website, Rock Radio Scrapbook, is just that, a scrapbook of air checks starting in the 60s. But to me, it's more than that. It's a historical look at this industry and what made it so popular. But I'll let our guest explain that in more detail. Dale, it's wonderful to have you on today's show. Welcome. Well, thank you very much. Let's just dive right into Rock Radio Scrapbook. What prompted you to uh, initially start this website? Well, it's a long story. Uh, back in 1996, the web was very new, and there wasn't much on there about radio history. There's very little there. I think there was one air check site at that time. And I decided that, um, well, I didn't have too many air checks at the time, but I did have a lot of written history, like lineups and uh, my observations and all kinds of things, right? And a friend of mine um, who's into radio said he stayed up till five in the morning reading it. So I thought, well, if he was that interested, maybe other people would be too. So I started Rock Radio Scrapbook with no audio on October 29th, 1996. And a couple of years later, I decided, well, 
I think it'll be more interesting with audio. So I managed to get air. I had air checks, but I didn't have that many. And I started an air check of the week. Every Monday or Sunday, I would post an air check, a different air check, right? I didn't think it was going to last very long because I limited space. Back then, you had to pay a lot for space, the storage space, right? But I just kept going week after week after week. And then people started sending me air checks, right? Collectors. I didn't even ask. They just sent it, sent them to me. And I, now I have more checks than, you know, I, I can hardly believe. Like I got, it's just it's encountered tens of thousands of air, air checks. You get air checks from uh, all types of formats or are they mostly top 40? It was mostly, um, I'd say 95% top 40, but I have a few from uh, the country genre and a couple from the talk genre, but it's mostly top 40 rock, but I have stuff going back to the 40s, also more recent stuff. And uh, I'm actually, do, I don't, I'm not really, I don't consider myself to be an air check collector. What I do is like getting stuff that I can share on the, the website. And I have so much to choose from now that I can be very particular in what I feature. The quality has to be good, preferably unscoped, which means the music too. Uh, I like to match the current date with the date of the air check. That's not necessary, but I try to do it just to give it a bit of you know, cohesion, right? Now, you said you preferred them unscoped. Why is that? Well, because a lot of people like to hear the music too, right? And some people like to hear just uh, the, the jock and the commercials. So what I do when I post an air check of the week every Saturday night, Sunday morning, I uh, have the unscoped version with the music and the scoped version without the music. And there's two schools of, there's two camps on this. Sure. One camp likes the whole thing with the music and everything. And the other camp, they've already heard the songs. They just want to hear the, the radio elements. So you know, speak. Jim mentioned that, that uh, air checks were done primarily to help train the DJs and get better. But a, a, another, another version of that was I used to, just like to listen to other jocks just to hear what they were doing and get ideas. And uh, yeah. I, I kind of got tired of listening to myself. I wanted to hear the Ron Chapman's and the, you know, the, yeah. the, the personalities so I could try to learn from that. Uh, do you mostly get air checks from, and this may be a stupid question, but from the big cities or do you get small and medium market air? Checks I have also? every market size possible. And the funny thing is, how many air checks keep surfacing so many years after the fact, right? Like the other day I got an air check. It's the early, earliest air check I have of CFTR 680 in Toronto. And they went for a rock format in 1972. And I never found anything from uh, 1972. And now I got one of uh, Chuck Christian from May of 1972. It's so interesting to hear the station, what it sounded like back then, before they really got popular, right? So I'm yeah. going to post that. It'll be my air check of the week for next week. You know, I, I started in July of 74. So I gravitate to that year uh, more than any uh, other, just to kind of hear what was uh, uh, what was going on. But one thing, another thing I've noticed, and you're from Canada, correct? I'm from uh, Toronto. Okay. And so you do a lot. In fact, Jim, we should probably uh, uh, make that a theme of one of our shows is uh, Canada 
radio because Dale has got a treasure chest of air checks from Chum and you know what, what are what were the top stations in Canada during your time? I guess Chum was Radio One in Canada. It was to it was to Canada what WABC was to the U.S. or KHJ. I'm lucky that I know the Chum historian. So I, I get good quality re recordings right from the tap. And uh, he gives me really good quality stuff. We have a good partnership. But I also have, uh, there's a CKLW aficionado in, in Riverside, California. And he's moved to LA. And he would have his grandparents tape uh, the big eight and stations like uh, WKNR in, in Dearborn, Michigan. And it added up to uh, a lot of, good radio being saved. You have to re remember that, like, when I was growing up, and I'm, I use myself as an example, like, I would listen to the radio, but I assumed it was always going to be this good, right? <laughs> as if, right? I, I did. I was a kid. I never thought to tape. Like, if I could go back, oh, man, I would have had tapes rolling all the time, all the time. I can't believe I didn't think to tape more, you know? Well, it, let, let me tell you, you were uh, a very forward thinker because if, if you were smart enough in 1996 to, to start thinking about websites and, and uh, saving uh, history, uh, you're way ahead of the game than I was because in 96, I was still going, what, what is this internet thing? Yeah, and, I know. And you, and you were you know, brave enough and smart enough to think, you know, I'm going to start saving this. That's, that's very yeah. admirable. Well, what, what really impressed me was that this is back in 96. You got to think of what people were thinking in 96. I thought it was so neat that you could go anywhere in the world and see your website. You go to Florida, you could go to Istanbul, Turkey, or, or Moscow, whatever, and you, you could see this website. It was so cool. I was really, what really impressed me early on, right? It still impresses me because this podcast is listened to, believe it or not, in India and the Netherlands. Jim, well, that's Jim, it. Jim can, and I both are very proud of that fact. <laughs> you can never under, underestimate the reach of the internet. It's just like it, it's mind-boggling that like, I get questions from everywhere, every the four corners of the earth, and I've had visits according to my log from every continent, including Antarctica. You know, it's like a, a father uh, with uh, picking out their favorite child. It's hard to do, but, uh, and I know you've got thousands of little children uh, air checks, but do you have some favorites that you've listened to over the years? I would think anything with Alan Freed, the old moondogger. I have some air checks of him on, on my site. He's uh, was one of the pioneers, not the only pioneer, but he was a pioneer. Another favorite of mine from the top 40 era is Jack Armstrong. He worked everywhere, everywhere, including uh, Chum, WKBW, uh, 13Q in Pittsburgh, uh, KFI in Los Angeles, uh, you name it. He, it was, he was there, right? But that's another one that I'm, I'm a huge uh, fan of. And there's also some lo local talents. We had Brian Skinner on Chum. He was, if you should listen to him, he was fantastic. He really was. Very funny. He was on in the evenings. Oh, Dan Neverth on WKBW. Uh, of course, the real Don Steele on KHJ. You probably remember him, eh? Oh, yeah. And um, Cousin Brucey on WABC, um, Harry Harrison. I'm uh, just naming names here. But uh, well, what, what is really interesting is sometimes you find a gem, somebody in a smaller market. You say, wow, where did this come from, right? 
Right. And then that'll be a put in line to be featured later. Actually, those be a hundred and not use all the good air checks I have. So right. I'm 69 right now. So well, give us a quick uh, uh, rundown of your history in radio. Where when 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 did you get in? What stations well, did you work at? Well, I didn't really work in radio per se. I worked for the Canadian Press Broadcast News News Agency. Okay. Now, the Canadian Press is the um, uh, parallel to Associated Press in Canada. All right, and Broadcast News is the uh, broadcast arm, much like AP Radio. And uh, in 1975, I, I was thinking, do I go on the radio or do I achieve my dream of working at a news agency? Well, I, I really wanted to work at a news agency. Uh, you know, I'm not just a radio person. I'm a news junkie too, right? So I, and I also, I didn't have the confidence at that point to be on radio. And also I could see the way radio was going with automation and, uh, you know, fewer DJs and, less opportunity to be involved in the music, right? So I, I jumped at the chance to work at CP and I worked there for 35 years as an editor reporter. But when I was at, when I, when I was there, I had the radio bug, of course. I used to, I got a part-time gig at CKFH in Toronto, which is now the Fan 590. I also uh, got a five-year gig working one night a week I did a show called The Gold Mine on FM 108 in Burlington. They were an all-oldie station. In fact, they were Canada's first FM oldie station. And I was on Sunday nights, midnight to six, the ultimate graveyard shift. After that, I worked at a, a few campus radio stations, like anything to be on the air, right? 2019, I managed to latch on at a community station in Coburg, Ontario, which is just um, to the east of Toronto. And it's called Northumberland 89.7. And I got three shows a week. And I can play anything I want. You know, that's, that's strange. Yeah. Well, you it's know, a community not, station. Yeah, not Volunteer. many places you can play anything you want. But your resume well, also says that you're a DXer. For those who might not know, what's a DXer? A DXer is a person who uh, has plenty of time to waste <laughs> and listens, tries to keep a record of um, what long-distance stations he or her has heard. Right. So you sit there late at night with the radio and twirling, twirling the dial and see what stations you can pick up. Now, I, I got into the game very late and uh, the, the good years with the Xing were in the 50s because stations would sign off on uh, Sunday nights and you get some the local station would be gone and you could hear stations from as far away as California from uh, Toronto. Right. And you call those a catch. A catch is just when you'd list it and say, okay, I heard KCTX in uh, yeah. Childress, Texas at this time, and you just log it as a catch, right? Um, I've also written three books, which have nothing to do with radio. The first one was called What Time of Day Was That? It's a compilation of the times of day events took place in history. That was published in 2001, like the Titanic sinking at 2.20 a.m., Kennedy getting shot at 12.30 p.m., and so on and so forth. And then I got another idea. Why not write a book about people who were very famous for a very short time? And I called that 15 Minutes of Fame. And it's got entertainment, sports, uh, news, um, you name it, it's in there. That came out in 2013. And I decided to do the flip side of that. Now, 15 Minutes of Fame was about people who were very famous for a very short time. Close But No Cigar is about people who were almost famous. Second place finishers right. in history. P. 
people who were overlapped by, uh, by other figures in history, right? All three of them sound very interesting. Yeah, you can buy them on Amazon if you're so cool. inclined. I think I may do that. Jim, you got any questions? In fact, I had one, but it just escaped me. I haven't taken my privilege in, I guess. <laughs> well, again, it's just great to have you on the uh, on the program, Dale. I, um, I, I When I saw the resume, um, I was thinking about the differences between the FCC and whatever governing body you would have in Canada for radio. Are they, are they similar? And what, what would the organization be in Canada that would be the equivalent of the FCC okay. in the United States? We have what's called the Canadian Radio Television Commission, the CRTC. That's our equivalent of the FCC. And one thing we do in Canada is we're very um, protective of, uh, I guess, our Canadian music and that. Like we have a rule, but you have to play 40% Canadian content between 6 a.m. and 12 midnight. Like that is an ironclad rule. And in fact, you can lose your license if you slip up on that, right? So and what do, comprises that? Is that music or Canadian artist music? Or is it like well, weather forecasts or? It's very, it's, no, no, it just includes music. And it's very complicated naturally because it's the Canadian government, you know, yeah. they make it more complicated. One thing to do an editorial here, I think the 40% is way, way too high. We have a lot of great Canadian music, but 40% is just too high. When I do my oldies show, I got to play about seven, we call them CanCons an hour, right? And there's only so much really good Canadian music. I mean, there is a lot, don't get me wrong, but it kind of dilutes, it definitely dilutes the programming. And for what, right? Because people are just going to go to American stations, you know? Right. I listen to American stations all the time. I listen to Sirius XM and Kenny Canadian content is played on merit, which yeah. is the way it should be. Well, the the, uh, the name of our podcast, uh, to kind of wrap up everything, is Radio What Happened. So I'd love to get your take, uh, because you've heard probably as much uh, radio as, as, as anybody, because you I'm sure you listen to the air checks that, that you get in, the, the unscoped and scoped versions. Yeah. But, but if I were to ask you, what has happened since 70, the 70s to now? And okay. Where, where, where do you see that? Okay. One thing was automation. They don't need people anymore. You rarely hear a live jock after, after 6 p.m. Hell, you, you rarely hear a live jock outside the morning drive on some stations, right? Absolutely. Uh, another thing is that um, I think that the corporations got, the big corporations got way too much power. And you can own, I think, eight stations in a market, um, starting with, uh, well, the Telecommunications Act of 1996 changed all that. And now corporations could just gobble up as many stations as possible. So now when you visit a radio station, the only person there is the receptionist, one for all eight stations, right? Mm -hmm. There's no people there. What happened to people? And then they, they got the idea that, People didn't want to hear the DJ. They wanted to hear just the music, right? They they tried to like like right now you can go on the internet. There's, there's Spotify and there's all kinds of these streaming music things, right? But what what sets radio apart is to be immediate, to have uh, interesting comments by the announcers, or a DJ allowed to do a show, to entertain. But but the big suits. 
the corporations don't think that's important. They, they like to do things on the cheap because it increases their profit margin. I mean, the golden days of radio are long gone. And usually the best shows now just in the morning. The rest of the day is just tossed away. It's ridiculous, right? Can it ever come back? But let's put it this way. If there were people who loved radio, running radio, it possibly could. But now it's just bean counters. It's accountants. People who have no knowledge of radio, no interest in radio. That's what radio is supposed to serve the community. Right. Right. But in this case, it's not, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, it, it, is, it is sad. And I don't know the, uh, today's uh, uh, listener just, I, I don't know if they know the, uh, the possibilities of personality radio. They just want the music. And it, it is kind of sad because they haven't heard, they haven't uh, experienced uh, a personality, you know, that, that captivates you. And I, I go immediately to Ron Chapman at KBIL in Dallas. He, I, I could not wait to listen to him just to hear yep. what he was going to say. Yeah. Uh, Same here. I used to listen to jocks, not for the music necessarily, but the, for the, the announcer, right? Exactly. One of the other things that's happening too now, um, to, to really address your, your question about will it ever change, Terry, is they're focusing so much on content other than audio. And um, if you look at the, you know, the, 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 the reports from uh, the big companies that own so many of the radio stations, all of which are publicly traded, um, you know, they show growth with revenue, but it's primarily driven by uh, internet advertising and, and marketing. So DJs, the few that are left, uh, DJs spend just as much time uh, developing content for digital applications. Their, their social media posts and their station websites, they spend just as much time doing that. And let me tell you, most of these guys, most of these guys and gals didn't get into the business because they want to be writers. Dale, you're kind of an exception, I guess. But most yeah. of the people got into this business because they like the sound of their voice. And um, it's frustrating for them to, to not be able to spend more time developing themselves as a DJ, even within a restricted format where you've got maybe 10 seconds to bark something over the, the intro of a record. You know, there was a lot of personality radio that you could hear over a 15 second intro to a song. And then a couple of times an hour, they could break free and add some local content that would be uh, would be personable. But yeah, to your point, Dale, they don't even do much of that anymore. It's just, no. it's really, uh, really a jukebox. I think the thing, you're totally correct. And uh, the AM band is a complete wasteland. Anytime I go down to the States and I just fiddle around, see what there is on the AM band. If, if you can get a rental car with AM on, because <laughs> yeah. usually it's just FM or, or satellite, right? But uh, the thing is, though, I think what happened, the corporations took over and they, all that mattered was profit. And then you only, DJs cost money. And now they got artificial intelligence. Mm. And right. they have announcers that sound exactly like humans like you cannot tell the difference right they've all the inflections it's not like the old days of, of robots right they're very good and not only that get this they now have this is artificial intelligence ai right right they now have programs that can write stuff for these robots so robots are writing for robots still mm. needs for humans that's ridiculous yeah. Yeah, I guess we're becoming rapidly becoming a blacksmith, you know, back in the industry, yeah. dawn of Perfect. the industrial age. Perfect analogy. 
one thing we're going to do in future episodes is pull some of those air checks you mentioned, Dale. And uh, yeah, you're and, welcome. And, Take and, any you want. Okay, and we'll highlight them, and uh, we're going to help that uh, that air check relive a little bit, at least in our podcast, because I, I know people do want to listen to them, and uh, we can highlight several. We've had we've interviewed several of uh, personality type people from back in the sixties and seventies. If you have an opportunity, you may go back and check some of our previous podcasts. We actually have a uh, an air check of George Carlin as a seven to midnight disc jockey on KXOL in I Fort check that Texas. Out. Yeah, I don't, it's a short one, and uh, and again, you're very focused on quality, which is great. It's great for your yeah. listeners of the of the website. So the quality isn't as good as uh, what maybe what you're looking for, but it's George Carlin yes. on the radio as a top forty DJ became before he became such a, a famous comedian as well. I've got an air check of Pat Sajak on AFVM. Oh wow, that I'm yeah. thinking of running sometime. So. You know, and to Terry's point, you know, we, we all did air checks back then. I don't know why I didn't save them. I've got a couple, but, uh, you know, I go back to Duluth, Minnesota, just a little bit south of uh, where, where you're at. But uh, yep. um, I've got some air checks, uh, mostly from my time in larger markets. But even those are, I think they are on cassette. Some of them yeah. are reel to reel, but for the most part, yeah, back in they're on cassettes. Yeah. And I just, I just can't find them anywhere, unfortunately. That's the thing. A lot of DJs that I've uh, sort of talked to, they didn't save anything. And mm-hmm. it's too bad because then I've talked to other DJs who saved quite a bit of stuff, right? Yeah. But yeah. most mostly it's the fans who have saved these air checks. Mm-hmm. It's it's the people who are just fans of radio and had the foresight to record radio back then, never knowing there'd be an internet, never knowing there would be a, a, an interest in them, right? In yeah. fact, I didn't know air checks really existed until the early nineties. And it wasn't until the internet started, I got an idea of, of the size of it. There are people with like, massive collections out there. Mm. But what, what really impressed me is that people have been so helpful in getting air checks to me at their own, at their own dollar, their own coin. They've uh, sent uh, air checks to me in boxes in some cases. And, uh, well, and also we, I, know, we, I know a lot of people, if I need an air check, I know where to get them. I, I can use my network to find them. Right? Well, thank, thankfully for, uh, for us, there's people like that out there. And uh, oh, they're they're the they are the the heart and soul of my website is the collectors because without them, I'd be nowhere. You know? Well, we're going to highlight them, and we can't thank you enough for being a guest on our podcast. And we'll we'd like to bring you back at some point. Uh, Anytime. Okay, we, we appreciate that. Uh, here's how to get in touch with us. If anybody has, uh, you know, an idea for an air check they'd like to send us, we can get it to Dale. Send an email to radiowhathappened at gmail.com. You can catch our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, and Pandora. And uh, Jim, I think that's it for this week. We'd just like to ask everybody to join us again for the next episode when we ask the question we ask every week. Radio, what happened? Okay, Hal Slifer, for $210, who is that pop star? Ramsey Lewis. Will you repeat that, please? Ramsey Lewis. I'm sorry, Hal. 
That's not it. We'll be sending you our mystery artist's latest album after he's identified. 68 WRKO. Scott Perry. CBQ. CBQ. Shotgun Tom Kelly at 334. The Sun City Streaker. X-Rock TV. El Paso.